Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Madrigal at the Movies with Rob and Rob. I am one of your hosts, Peter Madrigal. Hey, guys, and I'm Rob Federick's painting, and uh, I'm really <laughs> excited to be here today. <laughs> My name's Rob Schulte. I'm a dandy. I am asexual, and I take baths in front of detectives. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. we're off to. Let's, a great let's start. get into this, notes, guys. Let's get into this right <laughs> now. Let's do it. Let's do it. What movie, gentlemen, are we reviewing, guys? We are gonna shout out Kyle, uh, who actually brought this to my attention today. Kyle. Uh, Kyle, there you go. Shout out to you. He's on the level, as they like to say, uh, in the 1940s when this movie came out. We are doing Laura today, which is Otto Preminger's uh, most renowned uh, film noir, guys, which happens to be one of my favorite uh, film noirs, along with uh, Double Indemnity. Mm. Uh, Never heard of it. No, I have. Oh, I okay, okay, kidding. okay. I was like, I was like, oh, really? I was like, damn, we should review that one. Uh, uh, what are movies? Time. Yes, but high time we review. Laura or a movie from the 1940s at the peak of its film, yeah, film noir uh, golden age. Now, previous to this movie, the oldest movie that we reviewed was 1968's Lion in Winter. Right. So yes. this is really going back in the into the uh, way back in the day of the golden age of Hollywood. Yes, yes. Know? And actually, this movie was selected for preservation in the United States Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally or historically, aesthetically significant. So wow. it has a lot to say about the film noir era. Um, I think it's one of the best uh, kind of mystery detective movies I've seen uh, ever. And I'd like to get your take on it today. Yeah, John. we're gonna have to talk about it. What was the rating? Uh, well, so yeah, we're gonna jump right into yeah, the rating. I, uh, I would say you. it is definitely. Please don't say shotgun blast to the. Yeah, face. well, I was, I, I, <laughs> it was it was close. It was close, but I want everybody to survive to watch other movies. So I would say just whack yourself with a shotgun in the face because uh, Laura is a significant film in the film noir um, golden age of cinema, in my opinion. Mm. Like it is some, it is a staple. It is definitely. Um, a trendsetter and a innovative film for its time and uh, I think that a lot of films today owe a lot to that aesthetic that was just figured out back in the 1940s wow. very cool hell yes and I feel like we've rated the film we've made some jokes about the film yes but we have not read the back of the box of the film. Hold on. Really is there important. a back of the box of this? There Wouldn't they have like a huge thing and you put it on the spit thing and then they hit the projector thing? It's actually a little Nickelodeon. There so you. the back of the box is in this little like spinning thing. I took out the horse that runs and I put in the back of the box. Which, so. which is also ancient technology for that film, by the way. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I was just coming from watching Train Comes at Screen. <laughs> I assume you received the box I left on your doorstep. Yes. Nominated for five Academy Awards, this stylish mystery thriller twists and turns with new suspects, new evidence, and unexpected revelations. A wealthy, acid-tongued journalist becomes entranced with a beautiful young career woman named Laura. But entrancement leads to possessiveness, and shortly before her wedding to a dashing young playboy, she is found murdered 
Stirred by her portrait and adoring descriptions by her admirers, the detective assigned to her case finds he too is strangely under Laura's spell. With its haunting romantic score by David Raxon, this brilliant, extraordinary, absorbing entertainment from director Otto Preminger is a renowned example of 1940s film noir. Wow. Um, yeah. I do love film noir. I, I will say I don't I don't really watch uh, uh, enough, enough film noir, noir movies, but I think it's um, when it's done well in the modern sense, like uh, L.A. Confidential. Yeah. You know, I really mm. am attracted to films like that. However, <laughs> the one thing I will say about this film is like, you know, at first when, when the big reveal, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that he was dreaming, which was, you know, probably like the... Uh, That's on my notes. Yeah. Okay, there we go. You know, and, and we'll get into that whole thing. And that was probably like a directorial choice. My whole thing, the first thing that popped off to me when I was watching this was like, wait, they're having a party in an apartment that is a crime scene? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And also, um, I mean, this place would be shut down for at least, you know, four months. You know what I mean? That's number been, one. What, like about a couple of weeks, though, right? That he yeah. had been in, get, investigating this but it's, already. Yeah, exactly. But not not only no, no. It like happened in the same. It was the same week. Same so week, so okay, she yeah, gets yeah. killed the Friday night. Laura comes back Monday, right? So There's, like a weekend. Yeah, there was a. It was a, like a weekend. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You know, she was gone for. Um, I didn't, you know, yeah, I didn't. We didn't have that. cell phones back then, everybody. That's actually a really good point, though, Peter, that you bring up the specificity of the time, because I was confused about the timing as well. I know upon a second watch, they they leave those details peppered in there. Right, right. But it was hard to tell. It felt like way more time passed. Yeah, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. And maybe that was on purpose, you know? You're like living in this mystery. Yeah, but the, yeah. Te- the detective even makes mention of it. He's like, that's a really long weekend. You know what I mean? Because maybe it was yeah, like, yeah. Mark, yeah. yeah. It was like, a, you know, I think it was maybe a week at the most or like five days, okay. you know? Okay. But, well, I mean, who knows how police protocol was back in the 1940s. Mm. Uh, and, and obviously film language was different back then, but. Sure, but I don't think it made it a, I don't think it made it a bad thing. I no. think it was just. It, it's more of a thing where I want to go back and pick up on the things I missed. You right, know, I, right. I had right. no idea what this movie was about. Great. I avoided reading anything about it. Yeah. And I just dove right in. Nice, man. And and that's that's the thing with Laura. I actually discovered this movie in film school. Uh, is, is, this is your first time viewing, right, guys? Yes. Yes. So I discovered this movie in film school. I was, my dad actually started on a getting back on a freaking film noir binge because it reminded Hell him yeah. of like you know his youth because he used to these movies were old when he was a kid you know what I mean um, mm-hmm. but he started getting all these Otto Preminger films and stuff like that and uh, you know Laura came up and I remember that I was doing a film noir report in my like film school I was studying that I was studying Hitchcock and my screenwriting teacher was like, have you ever seen Laura? I'm like, actually, my dad's got that on DVD. I'm going to watch it. And I was glued, man. I had never seen anything like that. Hang on for a second, guys. But that movie struck a chord with me because I got like, wow, this is... And I had already seen Double Indemnity, but I really enjoyed this one a lot more because I tend to appreciate the sense of mystery of it. However, guys, you guys have mentioned a very big point. No cell phones or the times were different. 
so this mystery kind of has a disconnect with us so far in the future in 2021 watching a movie that's almost 100 years old, guys. It's 80 years old almost. You know what I mean? So imagine the difference in time and what that affects, you know, like the effect that it takes on a story. I don't know if that stands out to you guys. We haven't said it explicitly like you just said it, but when we watch Scream, Scream is like a different time. Like, how are these kids interacting? Why are they just hanging out here? I really like the way you put it because you can see the there is like a, an X, Y axis of when you can't relate to a film. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. I could probably relate to a film up until my birth year. You know what I mean? Because right. it's like in my brain ever since I go forward. Right. But anything before that, it's like, wow, this is ancient history. Dazed and confused. What was that? 600 years ago? Right. You right. Know? right. And, and we don't really have... I mean, we know about it because we see it in movies and period movies, you know, modern day period movies that take place in the 40s, but we don't really have a connection to that time and era. So it goes to say a lot for a film that can keep you engaged, in my opinion, with a mystery that way that takes place in a time that I have no relation or connection with. Uh, I think that's something to say about it. And I have uh, a thought I'd like to put out there. And if you guys want to add to it, I'd love that. Um, I find it very interesting, especially in any film, but it affects me more when I'm looking at an older film Mm -hmm. where society is a little bit different than what it is today. A little bit. I mean, obviously, society's changed. (laughs) Um, But, like, what does it want to say to its audience? And then also, like, what does it want to say about the world that right. you're making the film in, right. there's always like an ulterior story you're trying to tell or at least convey. Right. Um, is this specific film noir, is Laura an accurate representation of high society life at the time? It's got to be close. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're pulling from what you know, but it is such, not only is it something I can't relate to because it's old, I can't relate to it because these people are like rich AF. Right, right, right. I don't know. You know what I mean? In New York, in the 40s or wherever it took place. And so, yeah, it's just interesting to me. I I think it was like two, three weeks ago. I saw that a couple of Hitchcock's films were on HBO Max. And I was like, oh, man, you know what? I haven't seen North by Northwest in a while. I'm going to start watching that movie, which I love. And my girlfriend walked in and she's like, are we watching this? And I'm like, yes, it's a great movie. And she's like, this seems really boring to me. She's a lot younger than I am. Granted, you know, some people have different tastes or whatever, but there's some sort of stigma with old movies that just seem to, because we're jaded as an audience and we're used to a different film language, a film can come across as like, well, this looks like it's a boring movie. And I wanted to know what you guys thought when you guys started watching a black and white film, because did you find it, in fact, boring or were you engaged? Because I think the story of this film, while the film language is different, is highly, highly engaging. Here's the thing. As far as, okay, number one, the one thing that I will point out as far as these old black and white films go is that the opening credits are almost all identical. Yeah, they all have it. Back it's just day. like, these are who's in it. This is the director and producers, and then it just goes into the story. Nine minutes later, the movie starts. 
No, actually, right. no, it's, it's a lot quicker than that. It's like, bad, bad, well, bad, I know, bad, but bad, I just bad. mean like it yeah. does yes. take. Yeah, the credits were a thing, but they weren't an they weren't artistic like a, yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Then how they, they just are show now. the like on this one, they just show the picture of Laura, and then they do like the credits, and then like you know what was it like four pages of credits? So you got the yeah, you got who it's by, the company, the main actors, yeah. the producers, and then the director, and then that's it. You know, it speaks of the really, studio system of the time. Exactly. Yeah. But I was wondering watch, who the best boy was, though. <laughs> but if you watch, it's like, you, a, if you watch a movie like uh, uh, Ben Hur or um, Coavadis or movies that came out around that in similar, the 60s. you know, it, 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 was, it was almost a, it was yeah. expanded, but it was the same thing. They just put a, a picture up right. of, let's say, like you know, Adam and God in Ben Hur, for instance, yeah. and you just show the credits there, and then that's it. There was no artistic. Uh, value intrinsically put into these credits. You know? Well, I think also the technology of the time didn't really have, like you couldn't do animate. I mean, animation even in itself, like 2D drawn animation yeah, was true. like really cutting edge back then. You and know? It, there's something to be said about, I guess the best way to put it right now is the keeping up with the Joneses of film. You right. know, what's everyone else doing? What's, you yeah, know? exactly. But like, you know, once Star Wars came on, everyone was like, okay, well, I'm going to get creative with my opening too. But the thing is, is that one of the reasons why I think that a lot of people look at these old school film noir films uh, jaded and look at them as boring is because they all kind of look similar. There's no color to them. There's no, there's, you know, there's no colors. Yeah, They're all I mean, black, yeah, and black and white, and, and then white they all film. have the same opening credits. So it's just they all kind of blend together. That's why. But there's something to be said about film noir, guys, though. Film noir. I love it personally. Yeah, no, but. Why is film noir film noir, right? It means film black. Noir is black in French. It comes from a European, like, uh, uh, you know, aesthetic of cinema that was then adopted in the United States. And it is known for its darker subject matters, mm -hmm. its stark camera angles and contrast, right? And its anti-hero... Um, Leads? Leads, yeah. That was not the... I mean, these were like controversial, more darker films for the time. You know, when we talk about a woman getting a shotgun blast to the face in the 1940s, that's that's pretty intense. Yeah. Ten years later, this film wasn't being made. And then 10 years later, these films were being made again. Right, you know? right, right. So, you know, they were cutting edge for their time in terms of their distinction to other films that were, you know, like singing in the rain or some shit, you know what I mean? Which were mm -hmm. musical, dance, like upbeat. You're taking your gal and just having a swell time. Exactly. So that's kind of like why I think film noir is such a staple because I feel like it kind of broke the norms of cinema in one way, you know, that, that yeah. led us into, you know, a different era in filmmaking. You know, when I was young, you'd be like, oh, I'm experiencing the edgiest stuff that's ever been made. Right. I'm watching Pulp Fiction. My dad's watching Top Gun. <laughs> I love Top Gun, but love you know it. what I mean? Like, uh, as a as a 16 year old or younger, you're like, yeah. ooh, yeah, edgy. And then you go back and you're like, oh wait, no, we've always been able to make the edgiest of film allowable to the big screen right. since we've been able. And then and and people like our brains haven't developed much since you know the last two thousand years, um, but you don't think that people are capable of that when you're growing up until you see things like Laura and right. Double Indemnity. And to answer your question about if the the boring level and whatnot, um, I will say something jumped out at me when I saw it's 1944 that I was like, 
okay, this is either going to be really good or not. Right. Um, right. Or it doesn't speak to me. Right. You know, maybe not, not good. It's just not for me. Um, this movie isn't very long. No. And it rewards multiple views, which you guys know is one of my favorite things about a movie. Right. Um, right. Go back and listen to our Coherence episode. Yeah. One of our best episodes we've ever done, everyone. Next to Superman 2. Now, <laughs> you did it! Uh, oh you my did God, it. you dropped it. Everyone uh, who's listening needs to drink unless you're driving, definitely, but everyone has to have a shot. Because he said it, he said it. I did. Um, but here's the thing, guys. There is so much in this movie that I also was like, I'm enjoying this, Right. but like, what? Hey, we're back. It's Magical at the Movies with Robin Rob and Laura. And Laura, um, Laura. yeah. At least yeah. her painting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's can't you guys see it? It's right over here, over my <laughs> <Yeah>. fireplace <laughs> yeah. in my Brooklyn apartment. Um, much like in this movie, what were all of these fireplaces in these people's Brooklyn brownstones? So yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, fireplaces were a symbol back then for passion uh, and sex because you couldn't show certain things according to film la- uh, uh, specifications in the rating system. Like you couldn't show, for example, like a toilet flushing. You couldn't show open mouth kissing. You could show like But they certain, kissed in this movie. Not open mouth though, oh. with tongue. Like you can't show no that stuff. No, no French, French kissing. Yeah. There was no over the pants action. Exactly. Happening. Like if you see their kisses, it's always kind of like a press of the lips and a <laughs> yeah, move, yeah, but yeah. they never open their mouths like to kiss. So those kind of things were, the, for example, in Dumble Indemnity, which is one of my favorite film noirs also, uh, the, the other one, uh, they have a sex scene where um, uh, uh, Barbara Stanwyck is about to have uh, sex with, uh, I forget, oh my God, I'm blanking on the, on the main character's name. Anyway, as soon as they start kissing, the camera pans off into a fireplace. Train. Uh, and the fireplace is the symbol for sex and passion. So I think that those well, are- Well, there's that- uh... Sorry, there's that war movie too where they're like kissing on the beach in the 50s right. or whatever yeah. and it cuts to the waves crash. Right, like, <laughs> right, right. So it was like you have to be symbolic with it, which by the way, there's something that I want to address in this movie that is one of the biggest examples of why I think this movie is so powerful. And it's it's subtleties to convey character, um, tone, and development, right? Like for example, the name Waldo Lidecker and uh, I forget what the first name of Where's Treadwell Waldo? is. But Waldo Lidecker is our villain in yeah. the film, right? What's his last and name? He lies. And he lies, right. So Lidecker, like that's implied in there. And those are subtle techniques in the screenwriting that are used to develop. A- in no way did I think that while watching the movie, like, Rob. Right, and right. The moment you just said that, I was like, Oh my God. Did you? I mean, are you being serious or? I am being 100% serious. Well, there you go. No, it's less on the nose than Darth Sidious. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But you've also right got in, listeners. Treadwell, who Treadwell. means well, right? Like she mm-hmm. means well. But uh, so those are kind of little subtleties that you, they put into those characters to develop a tone that maybe subconsciously is registering, but you don't get in your first viewing. But it gives you an air of that, like, did you trust Waldo right away as soon as you met him? Maybe a little bit, or maybe not. You know what I mean? I didn't trust him. I for sure didn't trust him. I don't trust dude, anyone with a flower in their pocket. Dude, he's, he's talking to somebody from his bathtub. Come on. I'm not trusting yeah, I that know. guy. I know. Yeah. Thank you, Peter. These I'm are, not trusting you for These sure. are the things I need to know. 
there has to be some doctor or professor or something has to have a spin on like this bathtub scene, the fact that all these men are hanging out while there's a dead woman they're all obsessing over. Right. I don't know. There's some probably parental issues going on that like I'm not smart enough to understand. But that bathtub scene, Peter, yeah. I really like had to take a pause and be like, <laughs> yes, different time, but I still can't imagine a detective going, ah, you're in the bath? Here, let me pull up a chair and just question you. No, on a no, no. Of let me tell you something about humans. To push the envelope. No, no, no. Let me tell you something about humans. Mm. They, they, we may change, you know, like the way we dress and the way we talk and all this stuff, but our intonations, our actions, the way we operate, is all the same. If you look at like Laura's bedroom, you you can see like she has her perfume. She has like she's organized. Right. You like any girl would live. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, uh, you look at you look at uh, you look at the detective. It's basically like uh, uh, many guys today would dress, you know, maybe not yeah. that way, but you know, like with the tie and the suit and all that stuff. Right, right. Someone who's trying to be like creepy like that is going to be sitting in a bathtub when someone comes calling. I mean, like it's the, people don't really change. Good right. point. Good change. Point. That could have been the thing. If I didn't catch the name, I could have caught that. Also, didn't just mm-hmm. thought it was right. weird. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, people, wow. I mean the parties. Yeah. Like yeah. everybody's always having part even that we we use parties to distract from things that are going on in the yeah. world. Yeah. Whether it's 100 okay. years ago or today. The other thing on that level, I know this stuff happens now, but with the technology revolution, obviously there's been so many crackdowns on like trying to get the most cohesive case if you're a detective right you know i just don't want anything to fuck this up right let's try and have without a shadow of a doubt whoever we're trying to pin this on right. or whatever you need to right? get the right amount of evidence yeah. so that you can at least charge the right people yeah. and we can't do things that happen in this movie which we're talking about in a second because it'll just corrupt the whole case and it doesn't matter because then someone will get off in the courts right right that right. this is a time at least represented in this movie that i was like oh so Rich bathtub dude can just follow the detective around because he thinks it's a good idea for his books. You know, he that's what he says right, to right, him. Right, right, right. Which is like, oh, a no, lie. I'm affluent. Of course. I'm a rich dude. I don't, why would I kill someone? Right. And of course, right. obviously that's misdirection for us as an audience. Right. But still at the same time, it's misdirection because the audience at the time, I feel, would be like, well, yeah, he doesn't mean wrong. Let him come around. Maybe he can help. Sure. He writes murder well, mysteries. And he was the mentor. He's an older guy. You know what I mean? And But then. But I mean, like, going on the mission, letting him touch things. Right. Even if he's like, you shouldn't touch that, you know? Um, and then Vincent Price. Well, that's what we got to do. This. Thing. We, we got to mention yeah. Vincent Price, right? Because this is the yeah. first movie I think he's ever started. Like, I don't. I remember Vincent Price from all those like horrible B horror movies. You know what I mean? And like I remember him and from Edward uh, Scissorhands. And Edward Scissorhands, but you know Ten Commandments. And to, well, that's true. He was in Ten Commandments. So yeah. That was much later. But this is like early. This is young Vincent Price, and he is sort of a red herring for this movie because how many people uh-huh. thought? Well, Vincent Price fucking killed Laura. Is what, what I you know? Vincent Price. Yeah, exactly. Who actually is my f- my brother's favorite actor? I thought it was uh, Peter O'Toole. I don't know. He, he likes both of them. He likes he likes, yeah. he likes Al Pacino, Vincent Price, Peter O'Toole. He likes and, those movies. And um, Jack Nicholson. Oh, yeah. That's another one. Yeah. Those are the people that he looks up to. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Hey, 
Can't go wrong with any of those. He enjoyed the. He actually enjoyed Laura because of Vincent Price. He's all like, oh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah I'm glad that he. Enjoyed. I feel like your brother would have connected with uh, yeah. with Laura. He, as well, a he film. he likes a lot of Vincent Price's work, Earlier you work. know, because it's like um, it's all that horror, you know, darker element. And 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 in this character, this character, he's kind of, well, he's not a stooge, but. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed in this movie either, I feel like. And know? he plays it well. Yeah, he has does. that like confidence of like, I have to hold myself here because I don't have any control over X, Y, and Z. Right. You know, with his aunt and his money issues right, yep, and right, things like right, that. Right, right, right. Um, can we talk about the fashion for a moment, though, gentlemen? Let's do it. Do you yes, think double-breasted suits will ever come back in style? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. But you see I how high they wear their pants. Yeah, <laughs> and those jackets are real wide. He's like, "Hang on, let me put my pants. They button at my neck." Yeah, uh, <laughs> but that's the thing, right? I I do I do like the idea that like you know men wore hats back in the day. Like they wouldn't be able to leave without wearing a hat. You know what I mean? Like a hat uh-huh. was like an essential piece of fashion how many people wear hats and generally like? the guys that wear hats now only grow hair on their necks and true it's just not the same or they like to go to silver lake and watch a lot of music uh at bar that would <laughs> yeah. be my brother's category because yeah, he wears yeah, hats very, all the time uh, they're very hipster if yeah. uh, if you know what i'm saying oh the big floppy hats uh don't worry guys remember i do live in brooklyn new york i know all about those hats. <laughs> exactly. a hat store Right next to my apartment. There you go. There you go. You should go there uh, and tell them you watch Laura and that you're bringing it back. <laughs> and they're like, oh, my God, will you be our spokesman? Uh, the other thing that I wanted to bring up, and this is kind of based on what I was saying before, my frustrations of like the dude just tagging along and that just being like, okay, uh, fingerprints. How like I was willing to suspend my disbelief, but. Did they say anything about fingerprints in this? Because it seems like uh, the movie would have been a whole lot shorter. Yeah, he did say something when he found the gun in the clock. He did say uh-huh. something about right. fingerprints, and he was trying right. to preserve them by putting a napkin on them. Now, as we know today, that's going to just wipe them off. Right, right, yeah. right. I was thinking also about the uh, the original woman that died, you know, Ah, oh, we don't uh, know who it is. Fern, Her face is just it was it was the uh, it was one of the models that that Laura yeah. con- yes. uh, contracted. Yes. Um, but wouldn't they be able to figure that out? Well, the they blood? didn't because she got a shotgun blast to the face, so they couldn't identify her. She didn't get a shotgun blast to her hands. Yeah, that's true. Right. Oh, the, yes, that's true. That's yeah, yeah, the fingerprints. That's a big plot. And now, to be true. fair, maybe you didn't fingerprint children. Well, they did. Well, actually, they did know. figure it out toward the middle of the movie when when Laura came back. Right. The, yeah. They were well, all like, then we, it became, they found out yeah. at that moment that, oh, it's not it's not Laura. It's, and I guess uh, that's only a couple of days. Right. Yeah. So True. You know, they don't have a whole it, Internet database. Right. Of fingerprints. Yeah, exactly. No, they, they actually had to physically through, yeah. look at them back yeah. then. And, you know, I don't know True. if the process was as good as it is now, obviously. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like They had to hold up side by side <laughs> and use like graphs to actually like. Very true. You know, very True. see the spacings and stuff like that it's gonna take a match. minute back then exactly yeah. so probably that was one thing you know what i mean i don't know if people were as aware of that as we are now because we are so used to having good technology for fingerprints that maybe back then it was like well that's just you know like it's and not it could on have been the, a level of like i want to solve this on gumption and an right. audience likes that you know well not to mention no tech i'm gonna get this with my brain 
you know. We go off into following Mark in into off, obsessing King. over Laura and ultimately f- kind of falling in love with her. Honestly, you know, like like well, he, they do fall, he does fall in love. Yeah, I mean, like, and that kind of becomes his obsession. So maybe in a way, he was like determined to figure this out himself because he just felt this connection. Which, when the big reveal comes. I wanted to get your take on that, guys. Like, because when I first saw it, I was like, the same way as you guys. He he's dreaming. It's got to be a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. And no, it was that she's back. And then I'm like, well, is she supposed to be some sort of ghost, or is she the one mm. that killed this chick, or whatever? I you know it what was mean? like a, I thought he was dreaming, and that's you know the the when he when he falls asleep, that push in. I automatically was like, oh, he's dreaming about her now. Right, he's right. I'm her. sure there's a lot of film papers in liberal arts colleges that talk about the rest of the movie right. is a dream from that point because everything goes to plan. He catches the bad, doesn't everything doesn't quite go to plan. There's still right, a, right. locked out of the door. <laughs> right. Um, if I can't have you, no one will. Oh I love you so much, I would like you to die. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, we've, we've seen some of those type of stories before. Oh. <laughs> uh, we're not a true crime podcast. Okay, there now, we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's plenty of those guys. There's plenty of those. All right, guys, let's just take a quick break because these fireplaces are really heating me up right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're back. We're in the uh, the glow of the ashes of a of an old fireplace. And uh, Laura is still with us. It's not a dream. Here's what I was going to say that I had uh, wanted to bring up earlier, guys. Yeah. Do you think this movie, and we can wrap this into our final thoughts or whatever, uh, but do you think this movie has 100% lasting power? Because the initial, like, oh, I might be bored does make me a little fearful of this because it, I suffered from sure. it myself. No, and I and I, that's why I asked that question before because I did when I uh when we got the suggestion of the you know they were saying, "Well, you know, you could do this with or Laura." And I was like, "You know what? Laura's a good one because we haven't done an older film and I would be interesting I, because I find it such a inter- such an interesting film, such a well-made film for its time. I wanted to see what the reaction was for a modern audience looking at an older film. I do think that it has lasting power considering that you go into it knowing what you're going to watch, right? Like in terms and of- And I guess it- A 40s that entered into the historical society thing you said earlier. Right. It's preserved because it has cultural and historical significance. So- I believe that it does have lasting power because at the end of the day, right, you could take this exact story, apply it into a modern day setting, and it can still be very interesting uh, as a film, Mm -hmm. despite, you know, the cultural, you just adapt it to however you're going to modernize it. But the overall story still is is a good mystery. It's a well done film. That's my opinion. Yeah, Rob, I agree. I think you made a really good point about, you know, it's what it does for film and why it has lasting power. This isn't my go-to film, but I think it might start being my go-to noir for people that want a noir suggestion. Because when you Google anything, you're going to get double indemnity in the United States. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so... Rightfully so. We all know that's going to be good. Chinatown. You know, a few years later. (laughs) Yeah. But like, this is one of those ones where it's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's, uh, I'm really glad that 
Kyle? Kyle was the the one that brought it to the table, but it is yes. a film that um I would say is probably in like my top 20 just for for film significance and uh like you said it is a contrast to you know obviously double indemnity always being like at the top of those lists i i even think double indemnity is in the top 30 of the afi 100 i'm not 100 percent on that let me I find believe out it. yeah um peter what do you what do you think well let's just put it this way uh i mean like everyone loves citizen kane i'd rather watch this black and white movie than <laughs> I, mean, I would watch <laughs> anything else <laughs> over <laughs> citizen kane any day <laughs> you know because we were like thinking about doing oh let's do a review about citizen kane and i'm glad that this one was brought to because this one is very very engaging to me i mean yeah. like of course you know as a modern <laughs> audience member i'm literally like i was like oh they're having a party at a crime scene oh great awesome the crime just <laughs> took place like four days ago but you know what let's have a party yeah. you know so that kind of like hit me i was just like hmm I, and you know and you start thinking about okay well police techniques back then would they uh, mark it off as a crime scene i think yes but you know the, i'll have to go do my own research on that movie um, magic yeah. yeah uh uh and then also on top of that you know wouldn't there be like because it's a shotgun to the face mm -hmm. not only is it going to be a crime scene for a few days but you're going to have bits and pieces all over the place they're going to need to yeah. get dexter in there yeah yeah, exactly. yeah. do the spatter you yeah. know i'm yeah. so you know other than that um i mean i i i love this this was a great film thank you for bringing it to our attention yeah. i do have a headshot of myself sitting on my sitting on my wall you know just so i can look at it every day because uh, i'm that narcissistic you, uh, with yourself. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to share that oh, on the instagram peter <laughs> <laughs> i am that narcissistic i have a picture of myself in my place I love for it. myself. <laughs> hey guys, I, uh, just going back it, to a point I made earlier. It's a picture earlier. of me wearing Superman, a su wearing an, a a, Superman, a, a Superman two shirt. <laughs> Amazing. Um, no, hey, going back to a point I made earlier, actually. So yes, uh, Double Indemnity is ranked thirty eighth in oh, the wow. American Film Institute list of one hundred best American films of all time. So I wasn't, I was off by eight numbers, but yeah. So something to say about that, right? Not ranked number thirty eight in the list of a hundred films. I don't even think Laura's in there. It got nominated for five Academy Awards. It did not win a single one, yeah. which was crazy to wow. me. It lost to other films. But it, it it's one of those obscure films from Noir, but that when you watch it, you're like, wow, Vincent Price is on here. Otto Preminger was a name. Dana Andrews back in the day and Gene Turney were probably big in the 40s. You know, no, they're not they're not the Barbara Stanwyck's that like mm -hmm. femme fatale that stands the test of time. But as a film in general, I mean, like it is a great detective film noir with a with mystery elements and you know a, a kind of a couple of twists and turns in there that are that are interesting for the time you know there's there's that sort of sense of mystery which i think i'll just keep coming back to and uh and and like you said rob it's it's great on the second or third or fourth watch because you pick up even more little subtleties so that's true yeah i agree and um i think the last thing i want to say guys is that laura's made bessie is a total Karen. So, <laughs> she's like, I don't care if I broke the law. I I want to preserve my friend. Right. Don't you can't take me to jail. I was trying to be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, ooh. Yeah. I don't I don't want to go to Home Depot with her there. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, guys, I should remind all of our audience that if you use Apple Podcasts, a five star rating and review. It's like a fireplace for us <laughs> on this podcast. It's like a painting of so, yourself to yourself. Yeah, just put it on the mantle. We'll we'll give you a shout out. 
Uh, I usually try and check those once a month to give a shout out. So I'll be doing that next week for any new ones. So you got time. They take three days to show up. Guys, do you have any final thoughts well, no, besides the movie final thoughts that we just did? Sorry. Just a shout out to Kyle. We're sorry that uh, you did not enjoy our Twilight episode, but that's okay, man. You get this episode yeah, in exchange. We're doing it for you, Kyle. It's fine. It's fine. He enjoyed the Superman 2 episode. It's there you go. There you go. But uh, shout out to Kyle for bringing this one to the attention. And if you guys who are listening have any suggestions for movies that you would like for us to review, definitely go on Apple Podcasts or on uh, heavymetal.com and definitely drop us something in the comments. Let us know what movies you would like to hear uh, reviews about and we will do our very best to review yeah. your choices. And Rob, you brought up a really good point. The Heavy Metal Network is live and in motion. Woo! And soon enough, possibly when this episode comes out, but don't hold me to the wall, uh, there may be a club membership that people could get some... Uh, special bonus episodes at heavymetal.com excellent Um, love to hear it gentlemen this has been great it has Peter I think you need to take us home okay alright I'll take I'll take us home like uh, like Laura who's a total boss in this movie by the way (laughs) (laughs) Um, thank you everyone for listening to Madrigal at the Movies with Rob and Rob for Rob Federick and Rob Schulte, I am Peter Madrigal, and you will be hearing from us next week. Bye-bye. Later. See you.